again, it's Nick Walters for our webinar Wednesday here, sponsored by the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. And we are uh, glad to know that as we convert, and you might be listening as our uh, Industrial Hemp Growers Digest podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, I hope you are, are pleased to know when you are listening in once again, we have stayed with a consistency of really quality guests. We have not gotten my, my in-laws on yet or uh, my third grade teacher. So until we get there, then we're, 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 we're dropping it. So <clears throat> we're so glad to have uh, Jeff Whaling with us here. Jeff is the president of the National Hemp Association. He is a true pioneer in this industry and is a uh, consistent leader in all things uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the crazy as it's related to hemp and is, is a part of all of that. So, Jeff, thanks for dialing in with us today. Yeah, Nick, happy to be here. Uh, coincidentally, happened to be here uh, looking over the uh, expo hall at CWCB Expo in uh, the Javits Center in Manhattan. Uh, it will be one of the first major gatherings of the cannabis industry on the East Coast, and I cannot tell you how pleased I and my colleagues are uh, to be participating um, and to be able to start rubbing elbows with uh, our friends in the hemp space uh, starting tomorrow. How about that? Terrific. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, look, we, we love to ask everybody at least this same question, which is, um, what was your hemp aha moment? Uh, and, and, and weave that into kind of some background, if you will, of some of the other things you've done in Pennsylvania. I know you continue to have interaction and dialogue at the White House and at USDA and the Hills of Congress. So we'd love to uh, uh, brag on yourself. What did Will Rogers say? It's not, it's not uh, bragging if it's the truth. So you can go on and tell yeah. them. <laughs> well, Nick, I thank you for this opportunity. Um, so for those of you who are not familiar with the name Jeff Whaling, um, I hailed originally from Canada, um, where I had the pleasure many, many years ago, almost 40 now, uh, to work with the Canadian Prime Minister. Um, he and his team uh, have come together to advance discussions around the decriminalization of marijuana. And since I was the youngest person in the office, I was the chosen one to write that speech. Uh, they somehow thought that I must know something about uh, marijuana, which I didn't. Um, but I did use our resources to reach out to the Canadian Embassy in Washington. And the reason I'm telling you this is it's funny um, how things have come fast forward. Um, the office, uh, the embassy in Washington sent me research that had been conducted and paid for by the U.S. taxpayer um, on cannabis. Uh, I received it. I looked at it and I thought, what the heck is this? Uh, what are cannabinoids? This has got nothing to do with cannabis. Um, so I proceeded to write the speech. Um, and then there started to be an, a real interest in returning hemp. Uh, to discussions uh, at the federal level, uh, which eventually led to some 10 years later to, for him to be returned to our landscape. I had long since left the employee of the federal government. Uh, my elected officials and I was a sports agent producing all of the IndyCar races and the IndyCar festivals in Canada. So if you're familiar huh. with the 500, 
Um, yeah. the, when that series traveled, I was producing those shows. And, and uh, through that, um, developed a partnership and a longtime friendship with actor Paul Newman. Um, and if you knew anything about Paul Newman from a philanthropic standpoint, he uh, did all of his efforts in trying to advance uh, giving children uh, uh, just a moment of fun. Uh, so those two stories being combined, I had retired from my motorsport career, was sitting at our farm in Pennsylvania. I happened to be fortunate enough to marry the lovely pace car driver from the IndyCar series who hailed from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, we were at our farm in Pennsylvania, uh, and I, like many Americans, saw the story of young Charlotte Tiggy. Um, mm. Sanjay Gupta presented that story um, of how Charlotte had her uh, some 1,300 seizures mitigated by an extract of marijuana, as they told the story at that time. Um, Paul Newman had been dead for five years, but I heard his voice go off, as it normally did, um, telling me to get off my ass and go and help those people. <laughs> I tracked down Paige Figgy um, and the Stanley brothers, and I went to visit them in Colorado Springs. I listened to their story um, about extracting an, an oil, cannabinoid, um, that came from a marijuana plant that had no THC in it. And I thought, hmm, how's that again? Uh, they said, yeah, marijuana plant that doesn't have THC in it. And I said, oh, you mean hemp? And they said, no, no, marijuana. And I said, uh, no, if it doesn't have. And I remember Joel Stanley clearly looking at me and saying, who are you? And what do you know about this? Um, and I said to him, don't we grow hemp in America? Um, because we had been growing it at that time for 26 years in Canada. Um, I flew back to Pennsylvania, did my research and realized that hemp was illegal here um, and thought, you know what, if I can for a moment carry on Paul Newman's legacy and trying to make this a better place, then I will try to help those families uh, advance uh, access to CBD. Um, and so off we went. Um, we formed the Pennsylvania Hemp Industry Council. I reached out to those who were advocating both for marijuana medical marijuana and CBD access, um, met uh, Erica Stark, who was working with her then boyfriend, Les Stark, who was a historian and wrote the book on the history of hemp in Pennsylvania. And we created the Pennsylvania hemp industry. And then we started helping 18 other states pass the legislation um, and then worked on the 2014 farm bill. And the rest, as they say, is kind of history. Wow. 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 That's a cool history, man. I mean, that's a uh, yeah, and, and, and Nick, I have to say for your audience, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, as you said in your opening, yeah, I've met a lot of crazies. I think I've become one of them every once in a while. Um, but it, nothing has given me more pleasure because I see the big picture, what this crop has uh, way beyond CBD. Um, and that's kind of where we are today. Yeah, that's great because that's exactly what what. The reason that we're that we're doing the co-op, right, is so that we can have growers, no matter what size of amount of acreage they're growing, can participate in this industry. It doesn't always have to be the great. We need the big production ag folks, no doubt, but um, it doesn't need to be limited strictly to somebody that's a third, fourth, fifth generation uh, farmer somewhere in the world. So, oops, we lost. Here he comes. Okay, I can't hear you. You're muted. 
Yeah, so it kind of dropped me, and then that's okay. You want to maybe you want to turn your video off? Do you think it would get a better signal if we didn't have the uh, bandwidth from that? There we go. Um, we'll give that a try. We'll give that a try because uh, um, uh, one of our listeners uh, uh, already dialed in with with a question for uh, that, that I'll get to in, in just a second. But um, so tell me. <clears throat> What do you think, if you really had to kind of boil it down to one or two things, if that's possible, what do you think the things are that really are keeping the industry from being able to launch at the pace that it could to match up with the potential of the plant itself? Yeah, so Nick, I know we've just uh, met each other out at IMD Hemp, which by the way, they just sent me a lovely video that will be airing as part of the CWCB Expo. Okay. Um, this week um, but it's it's exactly that um, you know I always talk about this not being a chicken and egg issue it's a scrambled egg issue mm. um, you know, we need to not only bring supply chain but end users together and I think we're there um, one of the things that I'm most proud of uh, that we'll be bringing um, to the forefront in our discussions around CWCB Expo this week will be bringing the likes of um, a division of Hyundai, um, Hyundai International, their Black Buffalo 3D printing. Um, most people know Hyundai as an automotive manufacturer, um, but Hyundai International is a multi-global conglomerate. Uh, their largest industries are shipping, containers, real estate, and then the automotive industry in that order. Um, their real estate division uh, has approached us and we are working with them as they advance 3D printing of residential and commercial buildings. And I took them out to IND Hemp a few weeks ago and they're going to be talking about how they are going to start incorporating uh, hemp into their ink for the printing of vertical walls of these residential complex uh, uh, structures. And then they're going to start uh, to finish, once there's a supply, putting hemp insulation into these buildings, putting hemp flooring, hemp lumber, hemp cabinetry, so that they can offset the uh, carbon footprint created by producing cement. Uh, so, you know, that is the sort of thing that we need on a very large scale. Mm -hmm. And I'm also pleased to tell you that today, both Microsoft and Amazon have announced their investment in this space um, and to advance research for exactly that purpose, to try and help um, create a new fiber that can be a component for cement. Wow, how exciting that is. You know, and, and it's gotta be particularly, uh, look, I'm a newbie. Uh, to the show. I came to the party pretty late, uh, but even though I've come later than others, there's still so much party to be had. So I don't, I don't say that as a, as a, uh, uh, with, with any regret per se, uh, or, or negativity per se, but for somebody like yourself, that has been around and seen these things happen from the 2014 farm bill, not just including the 2018 farm bill to see some things like that, have the loop closed and the and the heads all nodding in the same direction, man. That's got to feel good. Uh, yeah, it, it, it does. It's it's rewarding, but it's a very small step in you know a very long race. And it's ironic uh, that I'm here at the Javits Center in Manhattan. I talk about racing when we have thirty thousand people registering for the New York Marathon that starts tomorrow, uh, or starts on on Sunday. 
Um, and, you know, I just kind of looked at these lines of people and thinking, you know what, this is exactly what our industry has gone through. Uh, you know, we've lined up, we've waited, um, and we're slowly getting to the starting line um, and the race is yet to begin. So I think that education is going to be uh, and will continue to be crucial. Um, but I think that the timing for us is perfect given uh, this administration's focus on, on climate, Sure. Um, climate change and certainly bringing new technologies. You know, I have um, I have monthly meetings with the White House, um, as I've said in my newsletter from the National Hemp Association that was released just two days ago. Um, there are more and more people from the White House that are participating in those sessions. Uh, they have started to see uh, the responses that we've given them. We've produced uh, an economic impact report. Um, and the numbers were staggering to them. Um, and when we said that, you know, if we were able to, as a long-term goal, start to, uh, with a vision and a mission to convert 5% uh, of existing corn, soy, wheat uh, into adding a rotation of hemp, that could over 10 years translate into as much as 12 million acres. Well, if we step back from those 12 million acres, um, how do we bring that to the market? That translates based on the facility that you and I have seen at IND Hemp, we would need 525 of those facilities. And at $25 million each, that's $1.4 billion. And when they all when they employ 77 to 100 people, that is, you know, uh, thousands of new employees and then you start to think of the industries that will be supplied with that natural fiber and how that then has an expanded economic impact uh, it is hundreds of billions of dollars that has captured the attention of the white house of the usda to the point where they've now assigned one person to uh, be a policy person responsible and an internal working group at USDA of uh, five of the smartest minds across the space uh, and looking how they can help us advance our industry. Isn't that terrific? I mean, that's come a long way just, just, from, just from that as well, too. So tell, tell us a little bit more about the National Hip Association. Um, you know, I, I hear this often from people who are just starting to get into the, uh, uh, into the hemp space they have a hard time trying to figure out who all these groups are. <laughs> who are well, all, who are all you <laughs> folks? I'm, I'm trying to figure out who is who is you. Who 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 is all this folks? So so well, um, you know what? I, give I us a little background that, on that. What you? Yeah, I, I think that it's uh, in part uh, a tribute to the intrigue and the messaging that you know groups like. HIA and Boatham, uh, who were the originators, um, uh, have achieved, um, although they all have their challenges, um, in bringing hemp to the forefront. You know, I come from the business world, so I have both the combination of my, my relationship in government and business. And I think in part it is why I have been successful uh, in creating one of the most trusted voices um, in uh, the nation's capital. Uh, we are a bipartisan group. Uh, we have about 50,000 supporters and members um, across all walks of life from uh, the farming industry 
farming corporations. We've formed a partnership with New Holland Agriculture, which is going to be a very uh, important component uh, to advancing the hemp commercialization uh, to uh, people who are just interested in trying to make this world a better place. Um, yes, there's a crossover between the organizations. Uh, the National Hemp Association is not a pay-to-play pay organization. You know, you can be a member for 50 bucks or you can be a business member for uh, $2,800. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we welcome people looking at the National Hemp Association, asking questions. We are available to respond to your questions. We return your phone calls. Uh, we have uh, full-time staff that are available uh, to try and work through these issues. The, what we have also seen recently with the uh, failure of uh, other hemp organizations who have canceled their state chapters, that those groups who still are interested in advancing their state initiatives have come together under the National Hemp Association Standing Committee of Hemp Organizations. Mm -hmm. um, and although we operate at arm's length, um, we are there to support them. We've uh, given that organization $25,000 in funding so that they could advance their interests. Um, and we are there to help them at the national level um, to advance the issues that they have at the state. Um, and the other thing that we've also been able to do, and I'm a big believer in collaboration, uh, we were the first group to create a social justice uh, standing committee. We've created a standing committee of plant-based uh, industries, um, and certainly we're interested in collaborating because we really realize that the more voices that are delivering the same message, uh, the sooner we'll get that message across the finish line. No doubt. You know, and, and that's, a, that's a great segue um, into my, what I wanted to be, at least to get this question in before we have one from our, from our listeners. Is it using your, your business background and your government background as well, which is part of where my background comes in. So I'm, I'm saying this to, I think, to a kindred spirit. It just seems to me, just looking at it, that if you really had to boil down industry-wise, what's really kind of kept it from going maybe even sooner uh, or, or bring as, as, as widespread is really just a matter of cash flow. <laughs> it seems to me that there's all these different folks that are making products and doing this cool stuff and making bioplastics and making, you know, fiber this and things out of, you know, uh, building materials and all this other, and they get it and they love it and they want to do it, but, or people that are in associations or people that are trying to uh, advance the associations and, and, uh, but everybody's got a side hustle job for the most part. You don't, right? I mean, you've got other things you do uh, as far as I can tell, but, but if we had folks who really could just spend their day working on nothing but the stuff in hemp all day long. There's just, I just wonder how much better off we would be uh, or, or further along we might be uh, depth wise. I'd be interested to know your well, two cents on that. Well, and, and Nick, I, I'm a realist. Um, I guess because I come from government and business, I understand that the two don't always march uh, in the same step. Right. Um, so I, it, it's important to remind your listeners that Although we as an industry have been talking about advancing hemp since the passage of the 2014 Farm Bill, the federal government was excluded from that process. 
That legislation was called the legitimacy of industrial hemp research, and most people forget that. And that allowed states who chose to adopt legislation to advance research as they defined research. Uh, Pennsylvania, for example, defined that research to be only at a university plot level that was two acres. Um, Kentucky looked at it as being a huge opportunity to replace the potential losses uh, that tobacco farmers were going to see when their subsidies uh, were going to be depleted from the federal government. So they looked at it as a broader research opportunity. Um, that then led to you know, the proliferation of CBD, uh, which was not really the intent of uh, the interpretation of the 2014 Farm Bill as seen by the DEA. Um, but it was not until such time as the 2018 Farm Bill was passed that USDA could touch this crop. So they are at a disadvantage because we've been ahead of them for five years. So I think one of the problems that, you know, is really coming about is that USDA is trying to play catch up, is using the National Hemp Association as a resource, um, but we're all five years ahead of them. Um, and so they're not going to fund programs until they get the research to say that's exactly where this money should be uh, invested. So it's going to really take the federal uh, government some years to get in touch with what the needs of our industry are. So the private sector needs to do their thing. Um, as many as of your uh, listeners will know, uh, I come from canopy growth. I was the president of the hemp division. I was looking forward to investing upwards of a billion dollars in the U.S. space. Um, and then the company was uh, bought out and they fired my partner, Bruce Linton, um, and uh, they weren't interested in advancing hemp for industrial purposes. Uh, Bruce and I then joined together um, during COVID. We then launched a new publicly traded company. Uh, we were looking to raise 150 million. We were offered 242 million by Zoom. Uh, we then thought we could scour the earth, look to, to buy hemp companies, bring them to America to create that supply chain. It was a great plan until we found out that the special purpose acquisition company instrument that we used uh, had special requirements that none of the hemp companies could meet. So we couldn't take those companies public. Um, and so I will be, here's a sneak uh, peek. Uh, I will be launching a new investment fund this week um, to try and uh, advance the replanting of the hemp industry in America. Wow. Very cool. You heard it here almost first. How about that? <laughs> well, it is actually first. <laughs> All right. Well, it's cool. well, dang, this doesn't show up on Monday, but at least it'll be out there. That's terrific. So Jeff, that's really great, man, for you to, to, to give your perspective on this. And it's so helpful for people to really understand uh, kind of where we are uh, uh, on the continuum, I guess, of, of where things are going for, for the industry itself. And, it, and it's, it's encouraging to know that folks um, uh, like you and folks like the National Hemp Association are, are advancing the cause every day at the level and at the places where it needs to be heard. So, uh, uh, we, we try. It's not always easy, but uh, we try. Well, you know, that's better than not, right? Uh, not trying to be able to do that. So, hey, look, thank you. I want to ask you one question. One of our, our listeners asked um, that they had heard you speak or read something somewhere where you spoke about a, a hemp industrial park. 
Tell Correct. us a little bit more about what that thought process is. Well, and that was one of my initiatives uh, that actually we put a shovel in the ground uh, in the southern tier of New York. Um, Senator Schumer was there um, and we were looking at investing 50 to 100 million dollars in creating this campus. Um, I think that, you know, the industry certainly uh, is in its infancy. So we were looking at um, creating a facility that would be 50 to 75 acres that would allow one uh, centralized decortication facility uh, to be established that would become operational, that would use uh, farmers within 50 miles of that facility to become the supply chain, um, and that we would use that decortication facility to start to research the development of various fibers and herd uh, and do seed processing all in the same campus. Invite universities in, um, invite the private sector in, looking at companies from the automotive sector, from the tech sector facility, knowing full well that, as I said earlier, we would have to create hundreds of those across the country. Um, mm -hmm. And not all of them would be identical, but, you know, we, we, as we're starting to see, you know, we could set up hemp campuses in the South uh, that would be specific to supplying the textile industry. We could look at them in the Midwest as being for fiber, food, grain, feed. Uh, we could see them in, in uh, Michigan and others to supply the automotive industry. So I think that, you know, that's what that idea, that concept was. And uh, Nick, I haven't lost that uh, vision. Uh, it's what we need. And I plan to do it with the next fund that I've created. Well, yeehaw. Well, we would love to figure out how we can partner more on connecting those growers, uh, because that's exactly the kind of stuff that we love talking about all day long and trying to find those opportunities for that. So uh, give us the good contact info for the National Hemp Association for anybody that wants to join up and and learn more and be a part of uh, uh, of, of NHA. Well, thank you for this opportunity. First of all, my name is spelled with a G, so it's G. E-O-F-F. Um, and if you send me an email to jeff at nationalhempassociation.org, um, all one word, I will be more than happy to respond to it or visit our website, uh, which is again, www.nationalhempassociation.org. Perfect. And uh, you guys always put out great um, um, interest, of, um, great material and great information for, for people to grab a hold of and learn more about the industry. So thanks again for uh, not only being on with us today, but coming in live from the Javits Center uh, in Manhattan, where uh, the, the good hemp word keeps getting spread. Um, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're in the center of um, both the media and the financial world. And yes, it's an odd place to be doing an agricultural show. But I can tell you, um, I am seeing more mainstream media paying attention and wanting to be uh, moderators on panel discussions. So, you know, I think we are slowly, slowly chipping that iceberg. And you know what? I could not be happier. So, Nick, thank you to you and your audience for listening to what I had to offer you today. Heck yeah. Hey, look, folks, uh, uh, join us next week. Uh, if you want to be back live and be able to listen in uh, uh, and be able to chat with our guests, um, uh, we're going to hear directly from 
uh, Russell Laird. Russell is has a, had a career in Washington, uh, still is in Washington, D.C., understands the ins and outs of of how farm bills come together and and uh, has been on staff of congressional staff of of uh, uh, key agricultural players uh, before and also um, has the Hemp Leaders Coalition and uh, understands a, a great deal about kind of how that sausage is getting made. So he's going to give us some insight into some of the things of, uh, that are going on, uh, particularly in Washington, D.C. So uh, thanks so much for uh, tuning in uh, to the Industrial Hemp Growers Podcast and the uh, webinar Wednesday sponsored by the National Hemp Co-op. You can always go back to our website at nationalhempcoop.us. Sign up for our newsletters and learn a little bit more about what we're doing to connect farmers to markets. Jeff, thanks again. Have a great day. My pleasure. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.